Let's start it up. All right, it's happy hour. So today we have a packed show, and we've got two city council members from the city of Emeryville. We have the uh, advocacy director from Bike East Bay, and we have the executive director from LA County Bicycle Coalition. But uh, first, we got some news, Don. We got some news with Taranik. Let's go. Roll the clip. Hi, everyone. I'm Taranik from Have A Go, and we'll be reviewing global bike news today on Bike Talk. We'll be focusing on open streets initiatives during the corona lockdowns. Why open streets? So during stay at home, people who use transit need a safe alternative to public transportation, which confines people in small spaces. So temporary bike lanes help people get to and from essential goods and services. Additionally, everyone needs outdoor spaces to maintain physical and psychological health while maintaining safe physical distance. With so few cars on the road now, Repurposing city streets is the best and quickest way to achieve both these results. We have two superstar cities so far. Bogota led the way with an initial 47 miles of temporary bike lanes to reduce crowding on public transport and help prevent the spread of coronavirus. 13 miles of these lanes were set up overnight. This week, Mayor of Oakland announced that a stunning 74 miles, a 10% of all city streets, will be restricted to cars. Is New York City the next superstar city? New York City's city council looks to pass a bill requiring 75 miles of open streets. Besides these three, over 60 cities worldwide have taken some sort of action during this pandemic. The National Association of City Transportation Officials, NACTO for short, is tracking all the transportation actions of cities worldwide. If your city hasn't taken action yet, New York-based urban planner Mike Leiden says don't overthink it. He lays out various rapid and low-cost ways to successfully open up streets for people and bicycles. What about here in Los Angeles? Well, Streets for All is working on this very issue. Visit their website, streetsforall.org COVID-19 to learn more or join the effort. With the lockdowns being extended longer and longer and some models projecting that we might even need to do intermittent social distancing, the need for open streets will become ever more important. In fact, calls for open streets during these lockdowns are growing louder in numerous publications and organizations from the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Forbes, NACTO, Greater Greater Washington, The Guardian, CBC, and the European Public Health Alliance. For a complete rundown of everything you heard here and more regarding global open streets efforts, feel free to visit haveago.city slash open streets. Thanks, everyone. That was about open streets. That was about he touched on Oakland. He talked about Bogota and he talked about uh, this journalist from streets blog, Mike Leiden, who uh, has some ideas about how open streets that we can get into with Dave Campbell later. We're going to go into John and Ali, but I wanted to just play this minute and 40 second long clip with Mayor Megan Sally Wells from Culver City real quick. I was just at the farmer's market and we we just did in the downtown and we posted little signs saying you don't have to press the bag button anymore. Oh wow so can you tell me about that and the technology of it? <laughs> I'm sorry I don't actually I mean we we control all of the lights and so um, basically we get to determine what the cycles are and how often they change. And we even have a dynamic system where we can, um, we can look at what 
what's happening in intersections uh, remotely and actually change the light sequencing if we want. We have priority for our buses too. So if they're running late, we can prioritize the light for the buses. And so um, uh, all, it's just, a, the technology is just a question of changing the cycle and, and making the walk signal go on automatically. And I think also what we're doing is shortening the light cycles. So cars have to stop more, which is good because people are speeding right now. And so the reason that you're doing this is so that just simply people won't be touching the button and risking uh, infecting themselves. Yeah. And, and the larger conversation that I had with our public works department was, you know, our light cycles shouldn't be like they are normally, right? There's a lot more pedestrian activity and so pedestrians need to be prioritized also. So this is a, an example of something that maybe should have been done anyway. Yeah. Would you say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can say that. Absolutely. I'm going to introduce John and Allie. John, in addition to being council member for the city of Emeryville, he represents Emeryville in the Alameda County Transportation Commission, where he's the vice chair. And he represents Alameda County on the Bay Area AQMD Board of Directors. And Ali is also a council member for Emeryville. And we have them both with us. So, hey, guys. Hey, Nick. Uh, hey, Don. How's it going? It's going fantastic. Quarantine is the best thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yes, yeah, says the guy in his backyard with a watermelon. <laughs> Where do you live, Ohio? <laughs> I, li I, I live in LA, but it's it's absolutely gorgeous out. The, the air is clear. There's no traffic. This is like the LA I've always wanted. Enjoy. Okay, we can start with that. Yeah, the LA you always wanted. Uh, this is not the world we wanted, but it's an opportunity to get some things that we've wanted. And John and I have wanted to eliminate big buttons for a while now. I, I love that, that they're talking about that. So you guys got that done up there. There's no more. Okay, so did they physically remove all the bed but uh, all the uh, bag buttons? Bed bugs. No, they didn't. Like <laughs> <laughs> Did they physically remove all the beg buttons, or how does it work? Yeah, uh, any any beg button or pedestrian call button for those of you who are uh, um, purists that was not part of a state highway. So we have one, San Pablo Avenue, but because uh, Caltrans controls those signals. But um, otherwise, yeah, as Ali mentioned, um, we're team transportation at the city council. We're on the transportation committee and. Um, a number of months ago, before this whole COVID thing happened, we were like, let's get rid of these. These are stupid. Pedestrians shouldn't have to, if they miss pushing it in time in the signal machine, then they have to wait a whole new cycle. It's so stupid. So we're like, we just want to get rid of them. And so the staff were in the process of studying like how, like how much it would cost to technologically change the machines and what it would cost to do a bunch of stuff and any impacts it might have on traffic, which of course is a big eye roll for Allie and I. Um, and, and so that was kind of the, that was already on the table. We were already in process on that. And then COVID came along and, and actually Allie was the one who was just like, how quickly, how quickly can you just do it? It seemed like a great opportunity. And we had like an imminent public health reason and a state of emergency, which empowered us to not do a study. Um, oh, that's awesome. 
We hate studies. And our, we have a city manager who I, I'm, our city manager like is very much transit focused the way we are and took advantage of this opportunity. Um, and so we, we brought it up and we've mentioned it at a council meeting on a Tuesday. Thursday was our transportation committee meeting where we posted on the transportation committee. And, and like when, Thursday morning, our staff manually reset every single like button in the city. So wow. Rather than have a discussion about it, that is fantastic. Uh, uh, I mean, okay. uh, something that we've been trying to do in LA for a long, long time with the pedestrian advocates here is that that same thing, and they're reticent to do it because of the signal timing. Was that did did everything fall apart after they 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 uh, you know set the the signals to just default to walk? Did the did the world end? No, if it did I don't know because I've been in my house drinking. <laughs> I mean, it's there's no cars on the street so we know this isn't like a typical situation we don't have our everyday traffic um but i think it's a good way to get people used to this idea and we have right. signed up our i mean i think this really have been has been a success for our city because our staff ran with this incredibly quickly and executed it well and communicated with everyone and put signs up yes a message to all the city council members out there who like ideas like this one if mm -hmm. you go to all of your committee meetings with new ideas like this all the time and you're like we want to do this Allie and i are like let's just close that street to cars completely like this is non-covid things we ask for we're like we just want to get cars off that street we just want to like rip all the parking out like we they are so used to us hearing this and then we're like we empower you to think about this and do this and so to her point you know, we kind of mentioned it at council meeting on Tuesday. Everyone on council was like, yeah, we'd like to see this like work done. And Thursday morning, she and I show up to committee and it wasn't an agenda item. And they were like, um, this is technically under announcements. And they go, we are announcing that today we are going to manually change all the big buttons to be defaulted to walk in the city. And she and I just started laughing. We were like, we have trained you well. This is excellent. We, we approve. We love this. So we have, we, have, we have to give a shout out. Like our city manager, as she mentioned, and our public work staff are they're the shit like they they want this stuff as well they're they're great they're totally in line with the city's values and the council's values which is pedestrian oriented people oriented infrastructure and a future that's not um you know dependent on single occupancy greenhouse gas emitting vehicles so um it, it is great also to be a small city a council member from oakland called me this morning and was like can you walk me through how you did this because i'm getting so many phone calls about how to oh do my god and That's I said, wonderful. I, well, I said, yeah, I said, uh, she's like, so how did it happen? And I was like, well, we sent our team out and they just manually changed them. And she goes, really? And I was like, well, we are a one square mile city. So it probably took them until lunchtime to finish. I was like, but I was like, <laughs> she started laughing and she's like, yeah, that could never get done that quickly here. And I was like, probably not. But if you, you know, put your heart into it, you probably could get it done. So um, little cities be, be, on, be on notice. You can do things quickly if you want to. Wow. Wow. Don, can we introduce yes. Eli or bring Eli in? No, we cannot. Because I know sometimes you like to set the stage. Okay. Eli, you look like yeah, you were going to say something. I was going to get really uh, like technical. Did you literally have to manually um, change each button? I mean, not us. We're useless. We, yes, yeah, I was, I was like, <laughs> Allie and I are the people with the pom-poms who are outside like, rah, rah, change the button. That's um, an yeah. important role, but I'm wondering, they actually have <laughs> thing and they, there's a they manual. There's a manual reset, and I don't know if they meant by they went through the, okay, our 
our engineer has like this awesome computer setup where he like, controls all the lights in the city. And so I am not sure if he went in and did it on every light on a computer interface or if they had to physically do it on every light. I do not know. I believe they did have to physically go to most of them and do it. It's so there we are we are moving to more advanced lights. Um, so I understand like Los Angeles, which is something I'm sure you'll talk about. They have some geriatric light system that like you know it takes you know you have to like go to the crypt keeper and get like a special key and there's like all kinds of stuff to change a light in Los Angeles. And in Emeryville, you you can go to the intersection to the traffic box and you can basically change the pedestrian call and just have it be like defaulted to on. Um, and so the only issues they raised for us were things like, we don't know how there's the traffic impact when, you know, people return to the new normal or whatever that will be. Uh, but then there's also the issue of just what does that do to the maintenance of the system? If it's constantly in a cycle where it's doing that, does having it set like that manually, does that create some sort of new maintenance um, requirement or does it shorten the lifespan of the signals but we were already studying it so we're just kind of like hey let's just extend this temporary program um, with the vision being consistent with what we already wanted to do I mean that's a lot of the things that I mean Ali and I will probably take a couple minutes and tell you about the newest fun thing that was announced today um, which we're excited about and um, yeah Davis Jake you know doing this for a good reason but we we kind of have had this stuff that we've been working on and so COVID has just given us an opportunity to be like haha we don't need to study it let's just do it so uh, <laughs> we're like hey people want it let's just do it COVID's so, like a superhero uh, like what's going on here <laughs> COVID, COVID put the transportation committee in Emeryville on steroids man it just basically was like do it do it do well it. the thing the thing too is like this isn't gonna end like there, this is a public health issue with people touching the buttons, right? Like there's an excuse to just keep it that way forever because we want less touching of buttons and things in public, right? Yeah, I think it's probably one of those things that's gonna stick. We're gonna see cultural shifts and hopefully this will be a widespread one. And I mean, hopefully people going out for a walk every evening will also be a widespread one. Right, oh my God, that's another thing. People are going for walks. I see kids on bikes. It's it's crazy. Sadly, this is why, you know, this is a sad situation. But there is a silver lining. But it, may, it kind of resets what cities are for and fundamentally what's an essential service for us to provide. And so right now, we essentially do have to provide people with space to exercise and get outdoors and move around the city safely in their non-commute patterns. And so bag buttons are one of those things. Uh, John, do you want to talk about the other one? Yes, we are. Well, I, I, I'm going to let Allie talk about the naming game we had going on. But um, <clears throat> Oakland, as you guys noted, Oakland, as you guys noted, um, you know, announced that it was going to make 74 miles of streets into slow streets, Oakland slow streets. Um, and... <clears throat> You know, we, we think that's great. And I think one of the things we wanted to do was we were like, you know what, we we don't even have 74 miles of streets. It's kind of hilarious. People are like, oh, what are you going to do? I was like, if I did 74 miles of streets, there would never be a car in my city again, um, which I'm not opposed to, but you have to you have to figure you got to work with people. Right. So the, the thing that we did want to do is we we have a couple kind of like crown jewels um, on, in terms of bikeways. The city and Dave can talk a little bit about our role in the region on bikes on bike networking. But um, Emeryville has always been at the front of being progressive about how can we turn, you know, non-traditional or other spaces into um, usable bike ped space. And so we took an old rail spur 
um, that cuts diagonally across the entire city. Um, and we converted it into a, a pedestrian, a, like 10 to 20 foot wide pedestrian um, bicycle trail. And it has three segments. The last segment is at the south end, down where um, Allie and I live. And it's gonna be finished in the next couple of years. The whole north section is finished. And the middle section runs along, um, is Doyle Street. And so it's a bicycle boulevard and it has some, some features on it that are designed to promote bicycle use over car use. But as we all know, bike boulevards don't keep cars off of them. It's basically, uh, it's paint. And so um, we, we had already um, put before the council and the council had already approved last year that for this year, starting in the summer, we were gonna take the middle block of Doyle Street, which is the street that this bike boulevard is on. It's about seven blocks long. Um, we were gonna take one of the middle blocks and we were gonna completely close it to traffic. So it would be not desirable as a travel street for people through the city north to south. They'd use one of the arterials that we have. And it's we chose the block between the park and a kid's tot lot playground area um, so that we promote safety and movement for the kids and families in that space. And so when this came up, Allie and I were like, oh, COVID, you're our best friend for transportation purposes and so we're just like what what how, what did we do to deserve this total like total shit show of a malady that's turned out to be great and um so we basically went and sat down with the city manager and we're like we want to close doyle street um and i would like to let ali speak a little bit about how how that all went down how that all I realized something today. So the name in our capital improvement plan for the shutting down of that one little block was Village Greens because I made a joke about a kink song and it stuck. And this was like a year ago. It was the Village Greens project where we would reclaim pieces of city streets. Um, so we were brainstorming and I forgot about that ways to shut down Doyle Street and like name it because Oakland did um, open streets and John did SAFE, which stands for, remind me. Emeryville, I had my, my acronym was the Emeryville Safe Project, which is the Emeryville Streets are for everyone. That was that was the one I came up with. And then Al, Allie had two, but the one the one that Allie had that on social media was apparently a, a hit. It barely lost. We put, we did a poll and it barely lost to mine. So mine wins. But Allie's Allie, Allie really went for the gold on this one. Cars ruin everything around me. She chose the word cream. She chose cream. And I was like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty bold. Pandemic pathways. <laughs> so so yeah so on monday um doyle street will the north and south ends of doyle street those blocks will be closed completely to traffic so cars won't be able to kind of come in from the, the those streets on the sides and enter into it um, we did have to keep a one lane open on a couple of the middle streets because there are a couple of residential homes that require driveway access and we didn't want to go through a whole legal issue so we made the decision to keep this little strip of one way around a block so that people could access their driveways. Um, but otherwise the other half of the street, the, it will not simply be a sign at the end of the street. We will actually have full um, K rail down the middle of Doyle street, fully separating um, all the cars from the bikes and peds. And um, we are well, going to have K rails, not yeah, wa the water K rails, not the concrete things that we have to bring the forklift for, but um, we will be, uh, having an agenda item most likely, I think, I think I can say this, we'll be having an agenda item in early May and we, the two of us will be asking the council to um, not have this end at the end of COVID. We will be asking to have this be an extension of the one year pilot we already had in place and actually continue this well beyond this for perhaps the length of the prior pilot with the long-term goal being that maybe we just permanently get rid of one half of Doyle Street. I mean, at least it's summer. And then people get to it, they'll really love 
like it because you know, we're seen as kids biking on the street for the first time because it's finally safe-ish. So let's make it really safe. Let's block it off so there's no chance a car could be coming down at the same time as your child. And then let's see how much people enjoy having that extra space. Well, yeah, so that brings us to Open Streets. And we have Bike East Bay Advocacy Director Dave Campbell. And we have Eli, who I think was attracted to this conversation by us talking about this in the last episode. So Dave Campbell... I'm going to read your bio here. It's is coordinate. Dave Campbell coordinates the advocacy and policy work of Bike East Bay in 33 cities, towns, and jurisdictions in the Alameda and Contra Costa counties. He works with local, county, and regional transportation agencies to encourage more walking and biking and micro mobility. His work also includes support for complete streets with quality transit service. Uh, so, hi, hi, Dave. Hey there, welcome. Thanks for having me. What's that, Ali? I need to update my, I need to update my bio. Thank you, Ali. Something about barbecue. Did I say barbecue? No, it's it's something I need to add to my resume. Anyway, <laughs> let's move along. Let's talk open streets. Well, you're you made the news uh, uh, headlines for Bike Talk today, Oakland, along with Bogota. You're one of the stars of open streets right now. How did it come about? Part of that's still a little bit of a mystery. When stay at home and shelter in place was issued in Alameda County about four weeks ago, advocates got together to brainstorm what we would like the city to consider. And we had a list of things like getting rid of the head beg buttons, for example, or widening the streets around parks where the sidewalks are narrow and there's more people, things like that. Turning traffic lights to four-way flashing reds to slow cars because there's been a lot of speeding traffic. And a couple other things. And then also, you know, considering traffic calming as well. But I'll be honest, it was a conservative ask. We were we wanted open streets. We wanted, you know, streets for people. At the same time, we wanted to be very respectful of the health department. Uh, bike advocates don't often go face to face with the health department, challenging them the way we do with traffic engineers on a daily basis, uh, both professionals and experts in their fields. Uh, so we were kind of in the middle somewhere and presented that to Oak Dot. They got back to us with the things they thought they could do on the peg, but the ped beg button issue. Oakland simply doesn't have the staff to go out to all their uh, ped buttons and, and change them. And I heard once that Oakland has more traffic lights per, per something, per capita, you know, per linear mile of street than any city in the country. And so if they say they don't have enough staff to go to every traffic light, I believe them because we have lots of traffic lights. Uh, so we, we, we heard back from Oak Dot. We got back together, like maybe 10 of us were talking. and. And we got back to Oak Dot with, well, here are the things we appreciate you looking at. We still want you to look at more. Can we talk? And they said, yeah, let's sit down and talk. And when we sat down and talked to them on a Tuesday, they said, what we're going to do is 74 miles of slow streets uh, closed to cars. And we were like, wow, <laughs> that was actually more than we were asking for. We still want to talk to you about head beg buttons and these other things too, but this is so exciting. Let's talk about that first. That was a Tuesday. Thursday, the mayor announced it. We didn't realize the announcement was coming on a Thursday. And the announcement said it's starting this Saturday with a pilot of four streets. And that was last Saturday. 
Uh, and that's how I got off and running. I think the energy behind it came from ODOT and the mayor's office. They, they saw other cities doing it. They saw Denver do it. Uh, New York did it, pulled it out. I think Minneapolis and maybe one other city had done it by then. And so the energy between the two came together and that's how it started. So this weekend is uh, week two. We're adding four more streets for a total of eight and then we'll, we'll keep going. Mm-hmm. Eli, uh, LACBC, are, are we gonna ask for, what are we asking for? Yeah, <clears throat> so I mean, first of all, that's, that's just amazing progress. And I did talk to Ginger, uh, the ED from um, uh, Bike East Bay this morning, just to continue to learn the story, figure out how fast and how, how that was even possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that we're, we would love to see uh, some of the changes that we're seeing here uh, at other places around the country happen in Los Angeles, obviously. Um, and so, but our, our major guidance has been around working with uh, LADOT and talking to, specifically talking to the Department of Public Health to see like what's possible here to keep people safe, especially the folks who are most vulnerable during this crisis, right? The people who are our frontline uh, uh, workers, the, the essential workers, as they're called a lot of times. Like, how do we make sure that those folks uh, are also taken care of as we start to open up these streets? Um, uh, folks who maybe live in cars uh, full time, and how does this impact their ability to, uh, to navigate their space? Uh, when you, once again, I'm talking from a car town, from LA's perspective, and so it's a little different than Emeryville or even Oakland. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we would like to see that. We're also just we're also just trying to understand what the Department of Public Health, uh, what their guidelines are going to be. And so we've been talking to folks over there to see how we do this in a way that's productive, efficient, sustainable, so it stays um, uh, in the midst of the crisis. And so we're I feel like we're a little bit more I feel like a downer. We're a little bit more ser- like we're just uh, we, we I don't know if we have the same political will overall in L.A. County. Um, but we're, we're also just trying to do the right thing in the midst of this kind of challenging situation. Is there like Eli, a bird thing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's roadblock. You got a bird roadblock. Oh, sorry. Isn't it? I'll mute. I'll mute. Oh, so yeah. Eli, I was just going to say uh, the Alameda County Public Health Department has endorsed uh, the, the Open Streets Initiative from Oak Dot. They've given it their blessing. They did it. I think they did it after the fact. It wasn't a precondition to start it, but I think they saw the pilot and and came on with an endorsement. Uh, a question for you is: Salita Reynolds actually used to work at Oak Dot many, sure. many, many years ago. Uh, where is she on this? Yeah, so it's interesting. She's coming into the conversation a little bit later. She's, I think, making her first sort of more public Zoom meeting uh, next week. So um, once again, I feel like the the Southland is about a week and a half, 10 days behind the North, uh, just across the board in terms of our safer at home, which is our version of sheltering in place. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that stuff is, we're just, we're about a week to 10 days behind. Um, I think it's also just the scale of the place. It's just so much bigger. So, um, but yeah, she hasn't really come out big in, in any way that I'm aware of uh, in terms of like any kind of public statement or any kind of uh, um, endorsement of a plan yet. Um, just it's just scale I think is more than than anything so I'm, I'm anxious mm-hmm. to see what she has to say um, but yeah I mean I think we're I think we have we have two things that we're, we're trying to understand why it's slower in LA I think one concern is that you know right now there's just um, there's a lot of there's a lot of city staff that are overtaxed 
just in general with, with what's going on. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, I think folks are, I think LA has been very conservative in and in in maybe rightfully so to just make sure that we flatten the curve. So we've been talking a lot more about health, frankly, than active treats to this point, at least in conversations I've been in. And the second concern is just, is, you know, other than this, this, the strain on staff is just about the impacts on our most vulnerable communities, as I mentioned before, um, you know, not everyone has the privilege of staying at home, obviously. And so the folks that are those frontline workers, the people who are still um, essential workers, uh, we want to make sure that they can, that they're, they're given the space to do their thing without being exposed um, unnecessarily. And so, um, yeah, I think that it's a, just a different scene. And so I, I, I'm hopeful that we're just a 10, 10 day lag and we're going to get there like sometime towards the end of next week would be amazing. I don't know. Would you guys ever consider uh, linking up with like LA walks and some of the other groups and, and, you know, forming some kind of voice to push for this? Yeah. I mean, John, you and I have been talking a lot, a, a ton mm -hmm. and he's also, and I, I listened to his, his interview from last week. I mean, he's, He's a little concerned. He's a, he's a little concerned about what he would do in the worst world area that he's he's living in, in terms of opening up streets to open streets. And he's he's tweeted and written about that a bit, uh, just because like it's just you know the concern about just making sure that folks stay safe in this moment and that we don't kind of uh, backslide or, or allow another wave to come across. And so that's really been a lot of the conversation. And so we've been going to DPH, Department of Public Health, and just asking them again and again, hey, can we sit down and, and set up guidelines that we can really all get behind and, and so we can make sure that we're, we're doing this in a responsible way. And so we're hopeful that we're gonna hear something next week, once again, like that, that will allow us to feel more confidence in that area. But yeah, absolutely, LA Walks, Investing in Place with Jessica Meany. Um, you know, I've talked to uh, the folks over at Ciclovia, Tafari and, and Rommel and, and uh, Act LA, Move LA, Eli Littman, all these people we've been in these conversations to see how do we do this in a way that's going to a, you know, keep people healthy and safe, but also like set it up so that this there's no there's no blowback, so that we don't lose ground. And so it's about building that kind of momentum that's uh, slow but steady. Some people are opening streets so that it'll be safer. And so why would we not open streets because? we want to be safe. I mean, who's right here? And are we just guessing? Uh, well, one issue is, is the, the city staff. They all are disaster response personnel now. And so they are doing a lots of things they otherwise wouldn't be doing. Uh, I'm sure super important stuff. And, uh, and so they already have plenty to do. Now they have disaster response things to do. Oak Dot is understaffed anyway by something like 25% total and so now they have more to do and one thing oakland's learning through flow streets is actually more work than they probably budgeted when they made the decision in green light of the program so there's there's a lot of advocates lots of volunteers and lots of city staff are kind of running around you know trying to keep this program going and moving forward and and the volunteers are trying to help them out as much as you, as as they can. Uh, two things we have going for us that maybe just a little better than LA has is one, uh, you know, we're hearing that our hospitals are not overwhelmed, uh, even though we don't have great data on all of this, just anecdotally from some doctors who tweet, who work at hospitals and health clinics, sharing information. So we're not overwhelmed. I think if the hospitals were overwhelmed, this probably never would have happened. Uh, 
And so that helps us. And I don't know where LA is at, but uh, it sounds like things are a little bit worse down there than maybe they are up here in the Bay Area. And then we're also told that May, the next health order coming out May 4th is actually going to reduce some restrictions on outdoor activities and which is consistent with what this program is. So I think the health officials are seeing us moving in the direction of this anyway. And it, it makes a difference when the health officials are at least not opposed to what we're doing, if not supportive. Yeah. The other issue we're working with, Eli, and you, you definitely need to stay on top of this, is the, the, I mean, all this stuff, changing ped buttons or doing open streets, there's literally no public outreach that happens on these things. Oakland relied on the outreach that they had done previously for their bike plan and their ped plan that established these streets. Uh, I don't know that there's ever been any outreach on changing ped buttons to recall other than a bunch of advocates saying, we don't think they're a good idea. Uh, and so we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to backfill a lot of the outreach that didn't happen here. And so the streets that Oakland rolled out the first week, four streets, one worked really well. I think it's, it was sort of the, the picture of people using the streets, all, all different types, all ages, uh, all types of mobility, not overcrowding it too much, in my opinion. The other three streets, one was so-so, and the other two, uh, one in a, a very Latino neighborhood, one in an African-American neighborhood. You know, it was a big shoulder shrug at best, if not some people feeling like, you know, this is City Hall, again, telling us what we can't do. Now we can't drive down the street or now we can't park where we used to be able to park. Now we're going to get a ticket. This is a city hall just trying to take money from us. And so uh, this next week we've got four more streets and, and we're going to see how it, that goes. We're, we're adding more signage, more opportunities for people to pro provide feedback uh, to see if educating people helps uh, neighborhoods uh, appreciate the streets more. But we do have a challenge. This, the, the streets are not being received in the same way in the same neighborhoods. And it's definitely the wider, more affluent neighborhoods just, I think, naturally are taking to these streets the way that brown and, and black communities are not yet, even though we're still very early in the program. And, you know, just the inability to do outreach before this, much less, uh, you know, even doing it if we could, you know, launching it and then doing it after the fact. It's been a little bit of a challenge, but... We're trying to, we're trying to stay on top of it, and I think you need to be prepared to think through how are you going to how are you going to adjust if this is working in some neighborhoods and not others. Yeah, I would love to learn. Uh, I mean, this is great, and I, I asked Ginger this this morning. I said, you know, what are your learnings from from this very quick rollout, which is awesome. Like, first of all, I don't mean to be a Dougie Downer or whatever the term is. I'm, I'm not, I just, I just, I want to understand how we can make sure that we don't experience that blowback or that pushback that I think is our bike lash that, that we've all experienced at different moments. Um, so maybe I am thinking too far ahead, but I also, I mean, I did see some of the tweets that Destiny Thomas, Dr. Destiny Thomas put out and, and, uh, and then the response that uh, Oak DOT put out in terms of like, we acknowledge that we didn't really check in with communities and we probably should have kind of like had a conversation with our neighbors. I think those are, those are, those are key learnings that I want to make sure we learn from so we can we can sort of set ourselves up for longer wins um but also it's just the political will is awesome man and like that's really where it's all at and to see that that change that folks had the courage and uh, to make to make it happen um 
whether it's the big buttons or opening streets in this way and, and folks are generally like figuring out how to use them. I mean, there's an educational piece to this as well, right? We've been trapped in this car culture for so long. Um, you know, it's not maybe so obvious to a lot of folks who, who don't, who aren't, who are inside the movement as, as we are. And so I do think that there's some, there's some obligation from, from advocates and from CBOs to help bring people along. It's not maybe yeah. as obvious as it may seem. But if yeah. you're, if, if, oh, Dave, did you want to say something? No, go ahead. If you're the LACBC, is it really your job to be balanced? I mean, aren't you, aren't you supposed to just be going full steam ahead with, with uh, whatever you can get? Um, I guess I, you don't. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 well, sorry, go ahead. Well, you don't want, like you said, you don't want backlash. backlash. You don't want. They're, they're going to do that no matter what for the smallest shit possible. <laughs> like they will. <laughs> that's just how the NIMBYs around here are. It's just like you got to get back in their face about like, like for example, the beg button thing, like craft a message that appeals to the NIMBYs, right? So I was trying to get my local city councilman, Mitch Englander, who had to step down because of corruption. But I, I actually got him on the phone and I pitched him the idea of doing a pilot project to set the beg buttons to walk in this district because we have a lot of car crashes out here. It's kind of out in suburbia. And I feel as a driver that the beg, the, the, the walk signals actually help me time the lights. I'm always trying to hypermile and not stop for lights. And when I can't tell what status the light is because it has a solid hand, me as a driver, I start to get like fidgety. Like, is this light going to turn? What should I do? And I end up, uh, you know, making stupid decisions at the last minute. And I think people are the last second. And I think people do that. So the argument for car culture here is we need the, the walk signs because it helps us as drivers understand what stage that light is in, you know, and, and Mitch Englander, who is a Republican was on board. And then like a month later, maybe he was on board because he knew he was going to step down of corruption, but you know, I like to think that I sold him on the idea and he was a Republican in a car, you know, I've gone head to head with him about road diets in this district and he's against, you know, bike infrastructure and stuff, but he was for that pitch. Like, Hey, this helps drivers. So if we could find ways to pitch it to the NIMBYs so they're less against it, I'm all for that. That's a good question for John or Allie. How do you pitch your non-car ideas to drivers so that it's a win-win? <laughs> um, that that might have been rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we, we have an activated, I, I'm the liaison for our Bike Pedestrian Advocacy Committee. We have an active bike and pedestrian community here. And so we're fortunate to represent a community that is as like-minded as us. I know there's more bike lash or whatever in other places. Um, Not that we haven't gotten a lot of heated public comment about removing parking spaces various times. I think we just have to emphasize the safety, the benefits um, for, oh, God, I know I could bring cats on. Um, for our community as a whole and stick to those values that we know our city has. Our city has a climate change plan. Our city does not want to have pedestrian and bike deaths. 
And so just by emphasizing those as goals for us as a community and sticking to it, we kind of create a line. Yeah. I think that's I, I oh, Go ahead. I don't have I don't have a pitch for how to uh, appease car people. I'm notorious for being um, outspoken on exactly what I think, and so um, there's no love lost between me and car culture. And so I'm I'm the wrong person to pitch anything to them. And I actually think pitching that you can see the number flashing as a bicyclist, I like that because I like to know that I can speed up to get through the light because there's 10 seconds, nine seconds. But I also know that drivers speed up when they see five, four. They actually go faster through the intersection, and so. True. I don't like I don't like that because then they they make the dangerous right turn or they they wheel across the intersection because there's no arrow and they make a left and they hit grandma with her walker in the crosswalk trying to finish her cross. So I I I see a whole bunch of reasons why you could pitch it to car people, but I I see the opposing reasons too. I did want to just take a moment though, and I want to go back to something Eli mentioned about uh, and you got you and Dave had a conversation about communities of color. And I I really. Um, I really want to emphasize something here that I think um, is really important to the longevity of, of um, bike advocacy is bike advocacy is viewed as a white man's advocacy organization. We just have to be honest about that. Like that's a common perception and it's, and the, the truth is like, I, I will bike down San Pablo in the middle of the day in the middle of the lane, right? Most people won't go on San Pablo. Dave is even saying, well, I, I do not, I'm fearless. I have been hit by cars. I do not care. I'm going to die anyways. So for me, I'm just that guy. But you have to think about um, communities of color historically. And, and I, I do this in the ACTC role. So Dave, Dave knows a little bit about this, but um, the, the reality is that for a long time, um, we didn't give communities of color anything they wanted. We being, we being the historical white privileged enterprise in the political seat, right? We did not give communities of color what they wanted. In fact, bus routes, used to be expressed through neighborhoods of color That's to right. take people from sub suburbs to their jobs downtown, right? Exactly that, right? Like all these things existed basically to further racism. And so one of the challenges, and you can, my watch is done. Um, and so one of the challenges that we have is as communities gentrify in urban, in urban centers, especially amid a housing crisis in California, what you're gonna see more and more of is now that advocates are coming in and saying, hey, this, this path through here from, from Berkeley or Emeryville to downtown Oakland, there should be a bike lane on San Pablo. That's a politically charged issue for the community we're biking through because they don't view that as infrastructure for them. They view that as infrastructure for other people. And I think that one of the biggest challenges and and we we had bike east bay had a great forum dave put together a great forum last night and he had folks from richmond bike and and some other other places that predominantly serve communities of color um on there and i think that one of the things that is really important to me as a regional leader on transportation especially as an active transit voice is um i i try to prioritize programs that let people choose to try this for themselves, as opposed to let me prescribe for you where this should be and what's needed. Yeah. So in Alameda County, we're the first county in the state, um, and I think the nation, we have to, to do, we have a safe routes to schools program. And we provide transit passes to kids. We have bike, bike to school day. We, ha we, have, we have a bunch of incentives and programs that we do that promote giving kids the whole panoply of transportation options, not just mom driving me in the car to school. And it, it exposes, it, it, we, we make it free. So we subsidize the transit passes for school districts. Um, we promote and prioritize um, impacted communities 
for, for the bike to school events. Um, and, and we bring people who train kids on how to like use a bike and fix a bike. And we have bike donation events even. And so I, with, with partners, and I think those are things that matter that if we only just come in and say, Oh, well, here's, you know, here's the, here's the newest safe street or here's the newest bike lane, you know, project that we need. And we haven't, built a relationship with the community and heard what they want or how they want it, it, it becomes really hard to do it. And then you do face that bike lash. And I, I think that that's, that's a legitimate issue that has to be addressed. And so it takes time to do that. And, and um, you know, we, we just need to make sure that we don't lose sight of that. Yeah. I think it's a yes. And that's really well said, man. I mean, yeah. you're just breaking yeah. it down. It's a yes. And it's an education piece. It's a long, it's a long sort of like, you know, culture shift piece. Um, and, and, and so, you know, when we have moments like COVID-19 and, and uh, you know, there's so many, uh, it's just a hard moment, right? So I don't want to make light of that at all. But when you have those moments, it is, it is really, you know, we've all, I think, been really tempted to be just, let's go, let's move, let's, like, let's be opportunistic, let's push. And I think that's right. Um, and this is the yes and part, and we need to really do our part to make sure that we're bringing everybody along and we're or making sure that we're listening carefully to the needs of those communities so that we're doing, so they feel that they can see themselves and they can see their needs uh, in, in, in the work that we're doing. And I just, and that, so that's really where, where, I, where you're hearing me coming from. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between, when it comes to bike lanes, NIMBYs and anti-gentrifiers? wealth gap yeah there's a huge wealth gap i mean so they're different people they're yeah, totally different people they're completely different. completely and different i think people. if we want to have a serious conversation about this we should probably invite somebody who represents those communities yep. like you want to talk about destiny thomas's tweets invite her on the show and let's have a robust conversation otherwise i think it's just a bunch of people who don't really directly face those issues pontificating about it which we've had plenty of okay carry on then <laughs> this is what you get when you invite Emory to the long show. <laughs> Here we go. Love it. Love I think, it. Love I think, it. I think we all yeah. we all got to get in this stuff together, though. It's just it's just it, we, you know we have an obligation. We have a responsibility. We're interconnected. So yeah, I mean, we do. I hear you I that, that we're but you said together. Yeah. And... yeah, absolutely. And look, we, Nick, to his credit, was like, "Dude, we can't have another show with all dudes. We cannot do that." And so. I give him I'm just happy to be your token female, but, but you know. I mean, like, and, 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 by the way, the <laughs> actually, Ali is more of a dude than me sometimes. So I'm just okay. gonna say it's like yeah, it's. I was gonna say John's yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what were you gonna say? Please don't finish that <laughs> sentence. Wow. <laughs> Seriously though, I wanted to respond to Eli's comment. Uh, you know, we've done some outreach on the slow streets in Oakland, and what we've heard is. There, there's, there's, and again, I don't want to say I know and understand the neighborhoods, but some people are like, no, 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 this is, you know, this is displacement. This is the city hall telling us what we can and can't do again. And their concerns almost have nothing to do with the project. It's just overall set of right. concerns they have. And as a bike advocate, I don't know how to solve that or even, even engage in that conversation because there's so many people need to be involved in that conversation. There's other people who are like, okay, yeah, I, I get what you're trying to do here, slow cars down, but what I really need is the trash picked up over there or these signs you put up, they look like just the signs you put up when you repave streets and you just repave the street and people are interpreting them the same way. 
or you know the light poles, the lights are out in the light poles. Can you fix that too? And this is where you get into that yes and piece is if we'd have had time to do outreach, at least for the you know for, for people who really are concerned about speeding down their streets and would like the sidewalks to be safer. Uh, and there's lots of those people because Oakland gets complaints about that all the time from all neighborhoods in the flats. Uh, we could have had this conversation about what else can we do to make this a project that you like. And there was no time for that. I just, can I just jump in? Sorry, I, I want to answer the question that Nick asked uh, uh, like about five minutes ago about like, hey, Eli, isn't your job just as a bike advocate to just do that? And it's just like your job is to show up in that way and only that way. Um, and let, let other people worry, let DPH worry about health, let, let, uh, you know, let Destiny Thomas worry about equity, let the, let the untokening, if you haven't read that piece, you know, worry about, about you know, how we make sure this is an inclusive process. I think that's why we've, we've, we've not made as much progress in LA as we, as we could have, is because we've, we've sort of said, well, we're just going to focus on, on our thing, we're going to stay in our lane, and we're not going to see how it's interconnected and all the intersectionality between affordable housing, between all these issues that we're, we're bringing up. And so I know it's complex, and, um, but I feel like that's kind of like, it's not just about that specific brand of advocacy that's gonna, I think, make that culture shift and, and actually create that tipping point. I mean, I really feel like this is an amazing opportunity to be inclusive, to send an invitation to all kinds of folks to be a part of this movement, people who don't see themselves in this movement. This is, this is actually a really unique opportunity. And so that's the yes and thing that I'm trying to, articulate but uh but yeah i feel like it's more than just bike advocacy yep agreed okay but so is it safer in terms of covid or not safer to open the streets i don't think we know that from dph here um you know i was just on the phone with jessica meany and john Yee and a bunch of other people uh and somebody who's not sort of frankly authorized to be the voice of, uh, of DPH down here. Um, and we asked, we asked them like, can you provide guidelines? Can you help us to make sure that our advocacy fits in within this larger conversation about public health? And, you know, because you have to understand DPH down here has been advocating for active streets. They've been advocating the place project. They've been all over this for years. There are partners in understanding that uh, physical and mental health are totally tied to being able to get out and move outside and, and 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 like and like exercise and and be healthy, right? So and and they've been our they've been our partners all along. And so what's weird about this moment, which we're all trying to navigate, is is that is that they're they're saying, hey, you know, ultimately until we have some more data, we're we're saying safer at home, or you know, shelter in place. And and so that's why once again, it's just like from from my perspective, uh, just being in the conversations I've been in with DPH and the mayor's office and other folks. You know, they've all been saying just, just it's it's a priority thing. Like it's too soon. Just, just set up the plan. Let's let's pay attention. Let's figure out how to build that strategy for the recovery phase. But right now, like we're still trying to beat this curve, flatten this curve. That's been the conversation I've been in, um, and so it's actually taken me out of my area of expert or my area that I live in, and and it's made me start to think about the larger context. So, um, I don't know if the streets are safer. I would say. Uh, I am still riding my bicycle. I am still going out and taking these lovely walks and the sky is like, you can't even believe it from the Bay Area, how blue our sky is right now. It's crazy. It like, it's like pre seventies. It's like pre-leaded fuel, right? It's like, <laughs> I don't even know if it ever existed for 
you know, my, 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 my mom's side of the family, which grew up in Sawtell, like they, 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 and that's West, the Japanese side of my, I mean, they, 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 I'm getting comments like they just can't even believe the color of the sky. So there's no <laughs> doubt we're in a new moment, but, or once again, not a but, and how do we, how do we make sure that we, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. Nick, I don't know. And, and until I know, and, and I'm hoping that DPH has something for us like next week. And, and I hope that we can, I hope we can sort of start building those guidelines where we can like get really excited about it and, and make sure that, that we're, we're doing this responsibly and that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the right thing. It's just hard. I don't know. Yeah, Nick, I would just add the, the streets that it's working on in Oakland. Yeah, it's safer from a traffic safety perspective. And I think yeah. it's safer from a people getting outside and getting exercise or taking a walk perspective as long as they don't get too crowded then that may that may take away from the health safety of it but on the streets that it's not working on yeah it's an open question uh this, the cars aren't going slower so it's not safer from that perspective cars are disobeying disobeying another measure on the street to slow cars down that doesn't make the street safer and the residents don't feel it's safer so on those streets the answer, if anything, is no, it's not safer, or it's, it's just an open question that we still need to work and figure out how to make those streets safe, too. Mm. On my Twitter, everybody's for open streets no matter what and, and ready to jump in. And I guess that's not what, a, what somebody whose actually uh, job is to, to do it can How many followers to. do you have, Nick? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, 1900 something? In a, You're in, in a, a bubble. In a, in a mess. Wait, wait, Nick, 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 that's not the right answer, Nick. The, the right answer is, Dave, how many do you have? Yeah. I <laughs> I'm not Dave? basing my, I've talked to some neighbors on these streets. I'm not basing <laughs> it on my Twitter likes or retweets. I hear, I hear that there's people that like this. That's one reason we got involved. Uh, but that doesn't mean there's not a lot that don't and who aren't shy about telling me in my face. Hmm. I mean, to be clear, I think that what I'm talking is like, how do we develop a strategy so this becomes the new normal so that we don't go back to where we're at right now? That's well, that. one, one thing you do is you don't say that during the crisis. Hold that thought. You can, you can share that thought internally with conversations. You know, you may be thinking that, but if, if the people who live on these streets think, oh, this is to change my street permanently and they're taking this opportunity to do it, you're not helping yourself, in my opinion. You're going to bring out all the Agenda 21 folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Don, the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> do you want to? Because you've mentioned yeah. that the past couple episodes. Yet. Okay. I was just going to say. Okay, go on. I, I, and I'm, I don't. I'm not. I'm not remembering what Agenda 21 is. But you know, we heard from residents who are like, you know, first Oakland did this, and then they did that, and now they're now they repaved the street. They put in speed humps, and now they put in these semi diverters, and pretty soon the police are going to show up, and then the tanks are going to show up. And then there's going to be martial law on my street. And they're, you know, they're just equating what we're doing or what is happening on their street to a much bigger picture. And that's, the, that's the Agenda 21 thing. That's the UN uh, alleged okay. takeover of the world under Agenda 21 to get, get everybody out of their cars, get onto bikes and transit, and reduce greenhouse gases. And it, uh, it comes up. Uh, a lot um, in, in city council meetings down here. It's there's like a, a city councilman in Burbank. There's you know there's 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 a group out here that uh, 
definitely are on that tip. So I'm never moving back to Southern California. <laughs> never. Never. I lived in Glendale and Burbank was a little too close for comfort. <laughs> yeah. My my point was these people have very they have very residents have very strongly felt opinions on this and it's based on what they've experienced from city hall mm -hmm. they're not making this stuff up you have a totally different different conditions there in uh oakland obviously than we have in la because the way you described it it's almost like they came to you with the slow streets idea we have dorothy wong oak dot maybe more progressive than la dot i don't know uh but yeah, and it helps. We have a very strong mayor when it comes to walking and biking and safety. For sure. What's up, hey, Dorothy? Hello. This is, this is our public comment portion. Hey, Dorothy. Hi. Hey. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey, hey, Dorothy. I missed all the fun stuff, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely listen up when I get back. Oh, you didn't hear anything. <laughs> uh, I wish I did, so I'm, I'm kind of useless now. <laughs> Anybody want to fill Dorothy in? We solved all the world's problems, Dorothy. End of story. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, we're just talking about how Oakland's got the 74 miles of slow streets, and Dave Campbell is the advocacy director with Bike East Bay, and he's saying how it's working on some, on others. There's some, you know, some mixed results. Mm -hmm. And Eli from LACBC is, I guess, talking about how, what it's like to navigate between the Department of Public Health and different considerations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be complicated for sure. Um, I'm, I'm inspired by seeing all of the, the movement, so to speak. Although now, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, now uh, people are getting into a sense of civil unrest. Have you seen the stories? Mm -hmm. Where at, where? Where is it going down? Uh, Huntington Beach, Orange County. Get out of here, like riot style, or so what? Let's let's yeah, talk about a place. Let's talk about a place the rest of us care about. Come on, Dorothy. <laughs> Other parts of the world. I just saw that for a brief moment, but um, uh, Detroit, know. John. Hey, yeah, no, you touched Detroit. You touched Detroit, and you are not coming back into Emeryville ever again. But it's definitely an exciting time. Like I mentioned it to Public Works, you know, because I live in the foothill communities and everyone is trying to find the trails. And, you know, we're sort of the front range uh, trailhead gateway uh, for Los Angeles where I live. And um, it's amazing how many signs you put up and things, you know, the Forest Service, I think we ended up taking 40% of their rangers uh, because they don't have that many people at the federal level to sit there and watch the gate. So, um, so the point is, you know, with so many of us, I've never seen so many people bicycle uh, in my community. <laughs> Everyone's got their e-bikes out, you know, their fat tire e-bikes. And, um, you know, so it is an exciting time. And I, I talked to Public Works about putting some cones out and just kind of really creating a fun buffer space for you know, we even have horses where I live. So we have uh, bikes, horses, walkers, and then cars and, you know, and then uh, just seeing how we could push it forward with projects um, that are already, you know, in the system, so to speak. <laughs> so in the county, we go into a queue of projects and uh, we're one of 120 
five unincorporated areas in Los Angeles County, right? But it does come down to, I'm so inspired with, you know, really it does come down oh, to- You're talking about Altadena, Dorothy, right? Did you, did you say that? Yeah, Altadena is one of 125, arguably uh, 120 to 125 unincorporated areas in Los Angeles County. And we're in District 5, so, you know, we're actually the closest mountain range to downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> so, um, you know. And, and you're a council member, neighborhood council member. Oh, yeah. And that's the other trouble I cause. So, what? We're, we're in, uh, so I used to live on East Mariposa Street in Altadena. It was my favorite place in Southern California. All right. So you, you must be what? You're right off Fair Oaks or something? Uh, yeah, I live uh, between Lincoln and Fair Oaks. All right. Nice. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that they have you as a community council rep. Yeah, thank you. So there's a lot of environmental things going on. Um, so anyway, we have the power. So every time I'm walking on the streets, now that so many of us are walking on the street, I'm saying, hey, you know, there's this really great app or database called Berkeley Safe Track. We can kind of talk about what you think is safe, what you want to see changed, you know, so... We have a, a traffic safety and mobility committee that uh, we started on our town council. So because we're unincorporated, we can't make financial decisions or any of that kind of stuff, but it's been really fun um, engaging the community and getting them thinking about how we move around. So anyway, so that's, I think with this level of civil unrest that's starting to brew and a lot of the civil unrest in my community is uh, seeing people crossing the trail lines, right? So, so the civil unrest is people saying we should reopen the economy? Uh, and not, not be on lockdown. Yeah, I'm sure it's economic <laughs> and going on trails, but... What are they, what are they doing? What, where is this happening in Huntington Beach? I got to get on Google here. Yeah, this Google. Sounds... People are starting to share it everywhere. And then it's, it, was, it was like a ton of people with Trump 2020 flags... Yeah. standing at intersections around Huntington Beach saying, you know, God gave us all liberty and you're depriving us of that and the state can't take it. And I just sit there and I'm just like, man, I was like, I want to smoke what they're smoking sometimes. I just, what the hell is going on <laughs> in these people's heads? I don't, I don't get Huntington Beach. They're, they're a special place. You don't have people like up there who are... Yeah, they live in the Berkeley Hills and the Oakland Hills and they, occasionally they, they, show, they show their face and it's not for long. So we have a, we have a 54 story tower that's being proposed in our city. And this lady who lives in the Berkeley Hills sent me a photo. She has this pristine view of the Bay and the Bay Bridge and San Francisco skyline. And then she drew in a second photo. She drew where the building would be. And she said, this will ruin the skyline view for me. And I wrote back and I said, here's the view of the homeless encampment in my street. Why don't we trade homes for two years? And then you can talk to me about your fucking view. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I mean, isn't it interesting though how like how how the the alignments are shifting everywhere, right? You've got these these H, HP HP people who are aligned with uh, you know uh, with get out and and get out into the street. It's, it's so it's, it's so interesting, like these weird uh, sort of alignments, even though they're they're coming from completely different places. And 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 Nick, when you asked earlier this idea about what's the difference between you know a NIMBY and a uh, a person who's worried about displacement, well, they agree, right? They're both like putting on the brakes and pushing against us, um, but they're coming from completely opposite ends of the spectrum, right? They're coming from completely op opposite places. So, I mean, once again, that's why I think that what Dot was talking about in terms of like the education piece of like asking the question of inviting people to the conversation, what do you want? 
what do you need? Let's get out into the community. How do we make sure that these streets reflect you, you, who you are and what your priorities are? And I think that's how we actually see systemic and sort of cultural shift. Um, it just, and it just, it takes freaking time. I mean, it just takes, it takes, uh, and we can't even knock on doors in the same way and do that kind of engagement in the same way. So we're zooming it as best we can, but it's, it's you know, that's how it's gonna shift. And it's a big lift. I think some people are seeing this as the time when the iron is hot, but I mean, I can also, I can also see what, you know, you can't, you can't just do it because the iron's hot, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think when uh, shelter in place is lifted and we're into uh, sort of the new phase of the new normal of it, you know, traffic volumes are still going to be down. Traffic speeds are still going to be up. And I think that presents a better opportunity to cone off a wider sidewalk or put a bike path on the Bay Bridge, whatever we want to do to uh, improve mobility. I think that's the time to talk about some of that stuff uh, and have a better conversation. Because then we, when we're no longer sheltering in place, we can, we can go into the communities, not like we used to, but more than we can now and have conversations on the sidewalk in the front yard, on people's porches, uh, where they're most comfortable giving us the feedback that uh, they really believe and is most helpful to us. So it's so slow. It's, it's educating people, you know, house by house. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In your dad, Nick, it, it doesn't happen, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen in a year. Your daughter, you know, your kid's not gonna be there. Um, they're not gonna, it takes time. I mean, for, for really, for really like that development for, for that, for people to get to that place, it's just not overnight. Um, and that's, that's the, you know, that kind of discipline that we're being asked and the sacrifice that we're being asked in certain ways. I mean, I'd like to just start asking people to observe, like the way we started this conversation with, uh, uh, with like observing the sky, just like observing how calm our streets are and how much less stress we all feel because we're not stuck in traffic in LA. I mean, it's, it's like a different place. And so I, I'd like to sort of start to sort of figure out a way of like having people start to really pay attention and really start to, to, pay, to, to observe how they're feeling and how, and how they are taking these little neighborhood rides to do their errands or their essential trips and, and, to, and to start to like, like capture that and start sharing that, hey, you know, I'm feeling better. I feel like my heart, my, my blood pressure is coming down. If I've got diabetes, I feel like I'm I'm not like eating in the wrong way like, like I do when I'm stressed. I, I mean, I feel like we need to start observing this so that we start holding on to what we have here now. Mm -hmm. And that's the, those are the types of narratives. Those are the types of things that are going to help us carry this movement forward um, versus like, let's get a quick build thing going right now. And like, yeah, the iron's hot. I, I just feel like let's have people pay attention to how they're feeling and, and, and realize, oh man, you know, things are shitty in a lot of ways. Like, you know, a lot of my people are out of work. And, and, and yet I'm starting to like, I'm like, I'm starting to pay attention and observe like a different level for myself. And, and, uh, and I want to maintain some of that. And that's, that's what I hope we can start to figure out. Yeah. Uh, mm. So I can't say enough, uh, you know, it's, it's a little complicated, but I've been playing, we had uh, the Berkeley Safe Trek uh, people come at, into our community. They came down to LA and they had a workshop for us in Altadena because we. Dorothy, I, I think can you just quickly define Berkeley Safe Trek? Uh, how do we best explain that? It's like a, a it's basically um, Berkeley Safe Trek. I could read it on their website, but basically it's, it's a database. App. It's a database and an mm -hmm. app 
but it's really a database for uh, for collisions. So, um, mm -hmm. and its focus is on active transportation solutions by providing the data. So, like we uh, applied for a Berkeley Safe Trek with California Office of Traffic Safety, and we ended up. It was an education grant, and we chose Safe Routes to Schools, and then we uh, basically. Uh, had our community, our schools, our highway patrol, uh, county public works, <laughs> you know, now county public health uh, is involved because they want people uh, walking. And uh, so ultimately, we all came together and we did this assessment. And we have 17 schools. So anyway, so it's really exciting. So Berkeley Safe Trek now takes citizen data uh, and into their GIS mapping, because usually it's uh, California, California Highway Patrol, uh, collision data, and then it creates different, you know, I'm not a data person, <laughs> but, you know, it's systematic. It can create reports for you. So if you're applying for a grant, uh, you can go, oh, we got this data, whatever it is. So for us, you know, to make the streets safer, you know, we had a lead pedestrian signal, whatever you call that, in, um, implemented at a busy street. And then we just, from that, we assessed our most dangerous corridor <laughs> doing the bicycling assessment because I said, hey, why don't we take that street a little further um, and take it all the way to Lake Avenue because there's more schools down there and there's a, you know, so then we kind of expanded the assessment. Anyway, so what that does, because the county of Los Angeles um, in Altadena, they, uh, it's public works. So there's like 4,000 people here, you know, public health <laughs> is this amount of people, even putting up trail close signs uh, took them um, uh, two weeks when I could print something off my printer. So they had to take, uh, we put some trail close signs. They had to come from LA County parks and recreation. Okay, so, so, so they got 40 copies of this printout and then it had to get delivered to LA County public works. <laughs> to implement signage in our community. Like, why did it take so long? It's because they're so big. So reading uh, personal data, sorry, um, into the system then overlays the collision data from Highway Patrol. So you can talk about that really great street that you rode your bike or you walked. Uh, you can talk about, hey, I tried to cross the street and the cars didn't stop, you know? <laughs> and mm -hmm. so it's creating that public comment which I think is really exciting now because as Eli said, people are looking like they've never looked before. And for the, I'll shut up after this, but for the first time, uh, I was kind of putting trail signage out and assessing the trail closures because that's what I have to deal with in my community. With, um, and I noticed that there were no center line reflectors <laughs> on one of our main streets uh, from Lake Avenue to Lincoln. Uh, and um, there are a lot of, these weird collisions that happen. And it, I think a lot of it had to do with not even having center line reflectors because our streets are dark and they slope. And if you pit, you know, don't pay attention for a second, a car can, you know, crash into a parked car, not necessarily because they're drunk or whatever, but it's because the line of sight and the way the street is built. So, so I'm, I am, I'm just, I, I'm just trying to figure out how to, how to work your, your comment back into the- I know. I have an idea. So yesterday, okay. we yeah. just, uh, so in our community, people are concerned about single use plastics, right? So we ended up organizing um, a Zoom uh, panel discussion 
and we also had uh, a screening, uh, supposedly. It was supposed to be a movie screening, but we just asked everybody to watch this certain movie about single-use plastics. And then we had panel discussion, and then instead of just generally calling out people, we strategically invited a bunch of different um, groups that all, along with the public, but that had a similar mission statements, right? So not everyone was, you know, this group or that group, but they could have been concerned about climate change. Um, you know, uh, like we had a, a high school kid uh, from South Pasadena and she tried to um, have them reduce plastics, but she thought she was going to die uh, in less than 10 years because of, you know, <laughs> all the things that are happening around here from climate change. So she was one of the speakers. And so then from there, we had an action plan to just see what we could do within our own communities and have the County of Los Angeles really um, move forward with, you know, a, a more broader, um, you know, ban at single use plastics that was just more than polystyrene because that's what the County was looking at doing, but we could be maybe more proactive like Santa Monica, you know, that's really moving along with things. So if I could encapsulate what you're saying, Dorothy, it was that you have different, like a coalition of different interest groups yeah. asking for the same thing. Okay. And we're creating goals to at least get us moving in a certain direction, you know. So I think transportation, bicycling, recreational bicycling, all the ways we move are multifaceted like that. So, mm -hmm. and then the people speaking are an important part of having our government listen to us, right? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 just to add on to that just a little bit, I mean, Nick, I, I would encourage you because you have this great platform to invite uh, neighbors to, huh. you know, necessarily bike, bike advocates or, or, you know, or, or, you know, people who are elected and, and see what they're observing. Because I feel like, I feel like what, you know, this is like me turning the other corner of not being like the, the kind of uh, the more cautious, like I'm trying to work through the, the systems of government, I'm trying to work through DPH and understand what the guidelines are and make sure that we're not leaving anyone out. Okay, that's the work that I have to do. But what I'm asking is, let's, let's start sharing these observations about how much better so, much, so many things are right now. And in, in all how horrible the situation is, you know, what is that, what is, what is, what is actually that, what is it about this change that we want to maintain and build off of? Um, and I think it's really about people stopping and paying attention about how much better it feels. Uh, Eli, have you thought about, have you thought about how to document those sorts of things now before things return? You know, I think that's what we have to do in LA. I think we, yeah, exactly. We have to, we have to, we have to get our devices out and we have to start talking to people. And, and I'd love to figure out a way to, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll volunteer, Nick. Maybe I can start to, uh, to start to share some of these stories that I'm hearing. We're all talking about those kids that you never saw on a bike, people that you never knew existed in your neighborhoods that you're starting to see walk around. And like, maybe we should, even if we're staying a, a safe six plus feet apart, you know, and, and not get congregate, but still find a way of saying, at a distance, hey, you know, how's that feel for you? How, how does it feel to be, you know, how, that looks like a new bike. How's that feel to be like, you know, taking a little ride? And, and I just feel like if we still, if we want to build that momentum, that, that, that's, that's, I think, the kind of uh, the public comment that, that might actually get some, some good things done. Yeah, we, because we have basically all professionals, except for Roblox, who we just lost 
on this on this show right now. And I think that's a great idea if I were to go out in the street on my bike. I, I, I feel like people would be taken aback by me approaching them uh, on their bikes. But if you want to help, I would, I would oh, play your footage. Oh, let's, let's figure, I don't know what the design is, but I think that if we don't start capturing these stories now, uh, that's, how we, that's how we sort of avoid sort of the return back to the way it, it was. And, uh, and certainly we miss some of the ways it was and, and, and who the hell knows how we're gonna get back there or if we ever will. Uh, but I think we are all authors in this new normal that's gonna come. And this might be this might be a, an opportunity, um, and and we should get citizen reporters or, or neighborhood reporters, I should say, mm-hmm. not citizen neighbor reporters, to start to bring stories. And maybe you make a call out and say, hey, yeah. you know, uh, what are you observing? And 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 there could be leads. But yeah, I'm happy to talk to you about it because I feel like that is something we can we can start to do. To, Eli, to- let me let me ask you though. And John sits on some regional transportation agencies here in the Bay Area. Let's say you document all that, you get all the stories, you hope to get, uh, you know, photos of clear skies, all, you document all that. And then the economy starts to move back to where it was, but people aren't taking public transit as high as they were before, and they're all in their cars. And now you go before somebody like John sitting on a regional council making important transportation decisions, and he's hearing about all these people who now need to drive, and you've got all this evidence showing how great it was before. How do you see that playing out? I mean, it just corroborates the, the notion that, uh, that, of why we shouldn't get back in those cars. I mean, it, it hopefully it becomes like, it becomes evidence or it becomes like uh, those narratives become uh, tools for John to use um, as he's starting to, as we push back against that natural sort of, you know, rebound to, to the way it was. Well, um, Dave, are you, are you saying what if we get you talk to the people and they want their cars. Uh, oh, I mean, we're, we're seeing this in other cities that, are at, that endured the pandemic ahead of us. People are returning to their cars in numbers higher than they're returning to transit. And so here we are saying, let's question, slow cars yeah. down, let's remove parking, let's put a bike lane in, let's put a bus only lane in. And they're now hearing that the demand for driving is even higher than it was. We can't, we can't do any of that because this is the bread and butter of our economy and it's never been more important to get us back going again. John. So this is an excellent question, Dave, and it is the question that people need to start thinking about for sure. Um, And I I will just say that, um, and I I alluded to it, I think on last night's panel, um, one of the things that we have to, everything is being the, the normal is no longer a normal, right? So like everything is being changed up. And so one of the things that um, there's this like growing conversation about is there's more people, yes, who are saying, I won't get on a public bus or I won't get on BART, right? I won't get on these things now because I'm afraid to touch the handles and the doors and the, the swipers at the things and all this stuff. They don't want to touch the buttons for the machines. There's a whole thing there. And so people are, and it didn't help that the executive director of a transit agency in the Bay Area told everybody, I hate to say this, but get in your car. Um, an excellent transit advocate and everything, but should have just probably not said that, right? Like let people figure that out, but maybe not say that on record because I think that is exacerbating the problem. But the thing that we also have to think about is that while I, I, I have some linguistic differences with people who are like, oh, everybody is just working at home. No, actually everybody is sheltering in place, right? We're actually responding to a pandemic and many of us happen to also still have to work, right? 
what's happening is tools like the one that we're using right here with four faces on the screen, okay? This is becoming, um, this is a, actually exposing a different type of issue, which is we don't need to go to be in meetings all day or sit in an office all day. Like we can actually be functional fucking people. That's right. From other places, right? Like we can, we can actually do that. And so what I want to see happen, and, and I have a partner in Santa Clara County who is on the same boat with me. And I, I told her, I was like, president 2020, I'm like running your campaign late, but Hey, I'm here for you because she started the conversation. She goes, how do we help the health officers who've put these orders in place and told people to stay home? How do we take lessons learned experiences people have, and how do we change the work environment? Because if you think about the reasons why people get in their car to begin with, right? One of the big reasons people commute in a car is because they drive to work. And one of the reasons we all here as advocates for pedestrian and bike infrastructure and changes is, well, I'll never give up. The, 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 the bike people are crazy because I have to drive 36 miles from Livermore to Oakland for my job. I mean, you hear that and I hear that at the Transportation Commission all the time. Oh, you know, people shoot me down the second I mention we need to prioritize bike infrastructure. Oh, that works for young people like you who only maybe have to bike two miles somewhere. And I like, I biked 45 miles today. Okay, I biked 45 miles. Now, I'm not saying that every person who's out there, I'm not saying anyone on this call maybe can bike 45 miles. I know Dave can. But like, I'm not saying that that's the case for everybody. But that doesn't have to be the argument. We don't have to go to that place to have that argument. That's what. That's where we lose, right? Where we win is when we actually have a different narrative, which is, you know what? Working at home was probably stressful, right? It was stressful for you in a number of ways. But you also probably found that there were things about it you liked, such as the things that Eli mentioned. The sky was freaking clear. The street was quiet, right? I could take my kids out for lunch. Like I go outside to the playground. Like, and some of these other things that are going to ultimately go away, like not being able to go to a playground, right? Not being able to walk within so many feet of someone on a sidewalk. Like some of those things are going to diminish or change and evolve as, as we get past this. I don't know why we aren't saying things like, you know what? We as advocates think that you should, we should, we should be promoting work environments where people can work from home two to three days a week, right? So that's right. taking cars off the road half the time right? We can, we, we for, for a number of people who don't have to be physically at their job, right? Because there's some people who yeah. the nature of their job is they have to be there. But for a lot of people who don't have to do that, like me, right? I sit here and do policy and budget anal analysts stuff for a living, right? It doesn't matter if I sit at a desk at the office in Oakland or one in Sacramento or this one here in my house. Like I, I can still do my job and, and be functional with it and accomplish things. And so we talked about how do we, how do, we do that? And then how do we capture, if, if you do that, think about the people who do live within the bikeable range. So ignore the Livermore to Oakland people for a moment and think about the Berkeley to Oakland people, right? Just think for a moment, Dave, somebody who has to buy, bike three miles, right? But they choose to take their car, okay? I, I know people who drive from the block I live on to the Target. The Target is a block and a half from here, okay? Mm -hmm. I know people who drive to the Target from the block I live on. And it, yeah. it, it blows my mind. But my thought is this, is if we actually can change the employment environment and, and, and employers are now gonna have to figure out how to save money because there's all these things like, they don't need giant pads of oceans of office space. And by the way, we need housing. So why aren't we repurposing, right? part of the urban core, why aren't we repurposing it for things we need, depurposing it for other things, and then saying to people, they have to make this decision. Well, hmm, now I can work from home three days a week. And for the other stuff I need to do, like the office is downtown, but 
you know, like maybe I could just bike two days a week. And if I can pick which two days a week I go to the office, I can pick the two days that aren't rain or I take the bus one day. Maybe the car isn't a financial need of mine. Mm -hmm. And I actually think you will get more people who just start to think about the finances of, do I need to own a car if I no longer need to drive to my job? Right. And I, I think that's, that's the, it's a harder thing to, to, to narrate succinctly, but I actually think that if we spent time talking about how to talk to employers, and that's what I've been saying at the Air District is, we need to be talking to employers and using the health officer's voice to talk about, hey, you know what, even though we might lift this thing, it would not be a bad idea, wink, wink, it would not be a bad idea to let your employees continue to work from home and maybe, and, and maybe stagger who comes into the office to promote social distancing. Because then maybe employers realize, I could actually set up a structure where all my employees work from home two to three days a week and come in two to three days a week. Mm-hmm. And then people start to make other choices. That's my thoughts. Really, really well said. And I think also that you're talking about the intersectionality between affordable housing and, and the sort of tran- uh, the transit crisis. So yeah, if you, if you sort of play that idea a little bit further, which is really, really, I think, on the right track, then, 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 the, then you can create more affordable housing near the core. People don't have to commute from so far away who are essential workers who don't have the same sort of access. We create access to housing in the core that's affordable. Now those folks aren't going to be stuck with those crazy long commutes, especially in Southern California. This, all these things are interconnected. So yeah, I'm not just a bike advocate. I'm a person, ad, I'm a people advocate. And, and, and I do see the intersectionality between affordable housing and making sure that employers understand healthier people are better, more profi- uh, pro- uh, proactive or uh, productive people. And, and so it's, it's all about increasing health, which is why we've been focused so heavily the last three and a half weeks with DPH. Because we're like, look, we're trying to make these people healthy. We're trying to make sure that our, our, our culture, our communities are doing well. Then let's invest in making sure that they have these types of options that, that we're just talking about right now. Um, and, and, by, and by just basically killing that, that, those lengths of those commutes, which are just so deadly. Yeah, just a, a little aside, it was so funny. Last night's meeting was going to be, oh, three hours, two hours, you know, let's have check-in time, watch the movie when we were going to do it in person, and then we'll talk, and then we'll have to do cleanup. I mean, we were in and out of this meeting in like an hour and 15 minutes, right? And then at the very end, uh, it all got unmuted and we all got to say hi to each other. Hi, hi. But, you know, it, it's, it's almost more productive. You know, we don't want to live this way behind the screen the whole time. But it is amazing that your productivity can go up with the time. Yeah. The, the one thing I would add, Sorry. I was just going to add that in addition to what John said, I think another piece of low-hanging fruit is people are going to learn that they can commute in their car outside of the commute hours, where now many people feel like they're stuck at that time. And if we can just get them out of the, the peak moment, we solve all kinds of problems. And I would just add to what Dot said, which is one of the, one of the reasons why some people will say, oh, why not just make everybody who can work from home, just like, let's just have them work from home. That's actually unhealthy. Right. And so to the comments that you and Eli were making about this being a health focus, that has to be the narrative. It has to be public health. And the reason it's unhealthy to just be from home is social isolation. There's so much, I mean, my, my professional world is all in, in, in mental health stuff. And like, it is so important for people to feel connected and have connectedness with the people they work with and share a mission and a value system with and, and have a, an obligation or a task to work on together. And so I feel like that the, when you think about how many, when I think about, I, I started doing, you know, um, 
uh, Eli talked about observing things and he, he kind of gave like the meta examples, like the sky, the quiet, the birds, the, like the things that are like all the feel good. I have also been like sitting here with my little pad and I noticed things like, okay, the number of meetings that I need to have in person in a week can be consolidated to a day and a half. 100%. Like I don't need to be in person with all of you to do this, right? Like we can do this and have a functional conversation. There are things that I need to have a whiteboard for that a screen share might not be the most effective thing. There are some functional things where we need to all be able to like work on something tangibly. And I think it's promotes good communication skills and it keeps people accountable, right? To tasks. So we don't have like people fall off on this, but I, I think it's important to have people come to a workplace or some shared space where they do, they do work together. And so it is about kind of finding this balance, but this whole like 1950s America, like you get in the car and you go to work at eight in the morning and you come back at five after you punch the box. I mean, like baloney, it's, it's destroying the planet. It's destroying American social structure. People don't have time with their families. They don't have time to themselves. They don't actually have a life. They just, they they work. And so it has to be, it has to be part of part of this health conscious approach to it. And I think that the employment issue and how we do employment is what is driving this transportation thing. And as Dave said, now that people are going to have this fear of using the, the, the traditional mode, like the alternative to the car, that's the safe mode is the bike. If you have protected bike spaces and if there aren't tons of cars. So how do we do those two things? One, we continue the advocacy on infrastructure. Two, we find ways to get people out of cars that don't involve saying, oh, by the way, you can just walk from Livermore. Like it's instead, it's, it's a different thing, which is you should just work from home. Yeah. Make you a better neighbor too. Make you yeah. more aware of your neighborhood, your block. Make sure you're more accountable to the health of your own folks in your space. Um, who actually live next to you. And I feel like that's, I mean, now we're getting to like the major cultural shift kind of uh, that that's possible. And I think, you know, this is, this is where it gets exciting. This is these types of ideas where we change, we, we connect employment with health, like not just because you, you, you're, 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 you got a little pass to whatever. And this is a lot of privilege to your gym or whatever, because of, because of your work, but because there's an understanding that if you're invested in your community, if you're invested in your neighborhood, uh, your neighborhood will actually, you know, will actually benefit from the, that that presence that you have there. Your family will benefit from the fact that you're more available, yep. or exactly. your 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 block will be healthier and more and more just sort of integrated and more more cohesive. So yeah, these are big ideas, and 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 I think that the uh, the the way we don't go back to the old work normal 1950s model. Man, man, that 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 I'm I'm so behind that, and 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 how we can think about uh, perpetuate that part of this. Um, it's great. Nick, this was the panel that um, you, you didn't know you needed, but you clearly deserved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you all do this all the time. I mean, this is your everyday meeting, probably. Is this much different? I, so think, it was, I think it was different. This, uh, it, these kinds of conversations, no, but um, being able to kind of have a group of people with different um, vantage points and different, you know, raising different important points about transportation and health and community and like just the, the combination of those things. That's the kind of discussion that like needs to happen, right? It needs to happen at a broader, bigger scale. Um, and, and so, yeah, I know this is super, this is super great. And I, with that, I, I am late for my urbanist happy hour. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm going to bow out on you guys, but I really appreciate yeah, you inviting me. Yeah, I got to run on. too. Well, it's great talking to you all. Thank Thanks you, Dave. For having me. Thank you, nice Don, you all. Eli, Dorothy, Don. You so you're going to take Thanks us out. So much. Yeah, that's been Bike Talk on KPFK Livestream.
special Zoom COVID edition. Thanks to all our guests. And we'll see you on the podcast. Thank you. Right. Thank, Thank you. Aloha. Thanks, Dorothy. Shows I care Every turn of the pedal Cleans the air Green in the green I'm saving the planet Just like my friends Daryl, Sean, Toby, and Janet No greenhouse gas A tiny carbon footprint Up your ass I'm on a motherfucking bike Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk If you want to hear more Go to kpfk.org Navigate to Programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the Archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 